Welcome to Smart Companies Thinking Bigger Radio. Get the inside scoop on how America's most successful business owners transform their entrepreneurial vision into reality. And listen in as some of the top business minds in the country serve up practical advice, tips, and insights for growing your business. Now, here's your host, Kelly Scanlon. Good morning. Welcome to Smart Companies Radio. I'm Kelly Scanlon, publisher of Thinking Bigger Business Media. Our guest today is Mitch Rousseau, who is the author of the number one Amazon bestseller, The Invisible Organization. Mitch co-founded Time Slips Corporation, which grew to become the largest time-tracking software company in the world before it was sold to Sage PLC in 1998. Then Mitch went on to join longtime friend Chet Holmes as president, later to join forces with Tony Robbins, and together they created Business Breakthroughs International with nearly 300 staff and about $25 million in sales. Now Mitch is building certification and licensing programs that companies use to generate very, very large profits. Mitch calls them insane profits while exploding their sales. And today Mitch is with us to talk about the book that I said, The Invisible Organization and that's a CEO's guide to creating a fully virtual organization. Welcome to the show today, Mitch. Thank you very much. Delighted to be here. Oh, well, this is a very exciting topic because I know employees probably would love to work virtually, but I think a really well-kept secret is I bet most CEOs and business owners would too. <laughs> so uh, let's, let's talk about why did you write the book, The Invisible Organization? Well, you know, you know, Kelly, I grew up in a section of Brooklyn called Manhattan Beach, and, and that was separate from the rest of the city. You know, we, we lived down the street from the beach, actually, and I walked to public school just one block away every single day. But, but here's the key. I didn't really fit in very well in school. Uh, I may not be alone, but I'm just letting you know, for me, I just didn't fit in that well. Mm -hmm. Something was, was truly missing. Something was, I guess, invisible. You know, and I felt like mm -hmm. an outcast uh, most of the time. You know, I wasn't, I wasn't a jock. I wasn't very social, and and I was alone a lot. Uh, and, and then it all began with a guitar, actually. A guitar. Yes. Okay, see, tell us about that. I can't let that one go. Okay. Well, I I learned to play guitar, and then I started to become visible. People noticed me, mm -hmm. and we had a great band, and it was a lot of fun. Beyond just playing guitar, though, it was going to cost me money to start that band. But it required some problem solving along the way. And that's where I discovered some of the basic laws of business that stayed with me as I grew up and became the seed formula for my book, The Invisible Organization. Okay. Tell us about some of how, how that experience shaped those thoughts and that experience. Well, one of the things I learned is that if you don't promote yourself – no one will know who you are. True. <laughs> I mean, yeah. it sounds simple, right? Right. So this stayed with me my entire life. And if they don't know you were there, then guess what? You're invisible. <laughs> so that for me uh, was a seed formula in a way. And I guess it's different for everyone. Everyone needs to find what it is they need to let the world know about and the way to do it. Right. Yeah. And a lot of business owners are, and, you know, CEOs, they're uh, not very good about, especially business owners, they're not very good about tooting their own horn. You know, they're, they're very task oriented or they're visionaries, but they, they don't communicate it very well. Of course, that's so true. 
Yeah. So, so you wrote The Invisible Organization uh, based on many of the premises that you learned as you were trying to solve challenges that I, I suppose getting your band together presented. And um, why is this book different from other books on the topic of working virtually, though? Okay. So does this sound familiar? Remember thinking maybe in your businesses that I'm missing something that's something that would cause my business to be prosperous and I don't know where to find it. And you start asking yourself questions like, what am I not seeing, you see? And Mm -hmm. a lot of us go through that where we enter into a business situation and we think it's going to be great and then all of a sudden it's not and you're not quite sure why it's not. Have you ever experienced that? Oh, me and thousands of other business owners, (laughs) absolutely. Well, when you're reading the first section of The Invisible Organization, This is where you'll learn a whole new way of looking at marketing and selling from a different dimension, which in turn can cause your company basically to be the driving force of your success. And and like I said earlier, this happened to me when I had a rock band in high school. I discovered that we can get gigs by asking for testimonials and then using them as ads that we stuck to bulletin boards in (laughs) restaurants. Sure. So – but, you know, again, I'm, I'm 15, 16 years old. I mean, I had to figure this stuff out. Mm-hmm. And I just decided, you know, being a little aggressive as I was, I just ran around and started posting these, you know, handwritten notes on bulletin boards. And before long, we were getting calls. And we were actually booking out at 500 a night. And let me remind you, that's in 1969. You were way ahead of the curve. My goodness. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean... The, the things that we learned were so amazing. Uh, we basically were, you know, a bunch of kids in high school. And, you know, we loved to get together and play guitar and have fun with the band. But it wasn't until we decided to really focus and learn the music that we were good enough to perform outside of our little basement practice mm-hmm. space. Mm-hmm. That so makes sense. This, yeah. This is just another example of quality control. That's the way I look at it. Oh, in practice, absolutely. You have to have your team there working together. So, so talk to me about what is an invisible organization then? How do, you, how do you define that? Sure. Well, let's talk about Sam. He's one of our readers. Sam was the CEO of a small but growing company, and he sold all kinds of products to people who wanted to learn how to grow their company. So he was selling training, training programs and and uh, live events. And at first he did pretty good getting some publicity for his new company. But, and the money actually was great. It started to roll in. But over time, Sam had hired a bunch of people and added a lot of expenses. And now his profits were dropping because of what he was spending. His, his profits were slipping away. Mm-hmm. So the weight of his solutions were now too much to support. It actually became his problem. So it was when Sam found the section about how he can get rid of overhead and expenses, yet still make the money he needed to make and more. So this basically returned his company to a profit maker, and he did this just by doing one thing, by going invisible. He sent his staff to work at home, so he no longer needed the real estate or the expenses connected with it. It's very simple, you see. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it sounds like they always say that it takes money to make money, but sometimes it takes too much money to make money. <laughs> so, oh, so true. But yeah. you see, the funny thing is, is now his staff worked harder mm-hmm. and was much happier, and they spent 
less money to go to work, which means they actually got a raise. So <laughs> it was a, a total win-win. Sam was thrilled. I mean, profits started to grow using the marketing ideas in the Invisible Organization. He, he orchestrated one of the most dramatic increases in revenue since the early days, and he cut costs that literally translated directly into profits. And that's just one example. Yeah. And what, what are some of the other ways that you can, or other examples that you can give or other ways to recognize an invisible organization? So, so here's what you'll discover. When you, when you shift your perspective, you'll move way beyond what you thought was possible and discover the secrets to delivering more value in what you already offer to your target customer or client. See, I guess what I'm saying is that there are hidden assets in every single business. And so many businesses have found that it's much easier than they thought just by using the lessons on the CEO mindset, which is the first section of the invisible organization. Right. Yeah. So you, you can begin immediately by honing your skills even before you actually make a single change. Okay. And what, what would some of those be? What are some of the mindset shifts that are required? Obviously, we can't go into all of them, but just as examples. Sure. So I'll give you a simple example. Um, and, and again, this goes back to the CEO. So in the first section you learn about, now listen to this, the mindset of the CEO, not what the CEO does, but how the CEO thinks. Now, that's the difference. It's not that we're changing anything physical. We're changing the way the CEO thinks. So here's an example. Most CEOs will think, well, this doesn't apply to me. Or I just spent a lot of money and I it would go to waste if I if I were to do if I were to build a you know or send my people home. Or another way that CEOs think is that if they move out of the office, I won't have control mm -hmm. over my staff and they won't work as hard. True. Yeah. I can imagine yeah. that. Well, you and I both know that those are mindset issues. Those are not reality. Right. So the reality here is actually the opposite. And, and um, the Stanford University study titled Does Working From Home Work makes it clear that their, their measurements that there was a 13% increase in productivity directly attributed to sending people home to work. And in my experience, it's actually higher. Higher than 13% increase. Why is that? What What is it that causes that increase in productivity? Because, you know, the going back to the mindset piece, you would think, oh, you know what? They'll probably get up at 8 o'clock. They'll, they'll go have some coffee, read the paper, probably not even get started working until 10. I mean, these would just be common things that, that business owners or CEOs would think. Uh, what, what is it that causes that increase in productivity? Well, let's go back to the idea of that shifting of the mindset. See, that's what the CEO would think, and that's what the CEO would be afraid of. Mm -hmm. But in reality, there's this thing called the law of reciprocity. And for most of us, when somebody does something nice for us, genuinely something nice for us, um, we tend to want to do something nice back. And it goes beyond that on a much deeper level as well. So, for example, if... Uh, uh, if you worked for somebody and you were making a salary and you knew every year you would get a three to four percent raise or uh, and, and you were kind of enjoying the work and it was OK, but you had to drive 30 to 45 minutes every day to get there and you had to prepare your lunch in advance because you didn't want to spend a lot of money going out to lunch every day and you had to go and have your clothes dry cleaned and, and 
on and on and on. And you had to be out of the house every day from 7.30 till 6.30 at night. And then all of a sudden, the CEO says, you know what? Why don't you work from home? And now all of a sudden, instead of getting up at 5.30 in the morning to get dressed and showered and do your hair and put on your makeup and walk the dog and, and prepare your lunch and jump into a car and sit in traffic, instead, you sleep an hour later, you get up in your bathrobe, you go to your terminal, your, your home computer, basically, you log into the systems that the CEOs created for you, and you get to work. And guess what? You're going to take time off to walk the dog. You're going to be able to make your food the way you like it every day. You're going to have a car in the garage that maybe you and your husband decide we don't need anymore mm -hmm. because I don't have to go to work every day. Well, it shifts the perspective of everyone involved. Now we're setting up the situation where people are delighted and grateful and thankful that they could do this job. Here's another interesting statistic. The attrition rate drops plummets like a stone when people work from home. Sick days go away. People don't take time off when they're sick because guess what? There's no reason to. They're already home. Why mm -hmm. would they take time right, off? Right, right. Yeah. No, and you know, it occurs to me that uh, if somebody's still stuck on the whole accountability issue, that even after what you described, that the people who aren't going to be accountable are probably still aren't the people who are going to be accountable in the workplace either. They're, they're not going to be productive, even if you make them come to work and sit, you know, in between four walls or whatever. They're just, they're just not the right person for your team anyway. That's right. And I used to have this theory that I learned from Tom Peters many years ago called MBWA, Management by Walking Around. Yes. And so what I would do is I'd get up out of my, out of my, you know, my throne, the CEO chair, uh, <laughs> every day, every few hours, and I'd take a stroll through the company, and I'd walk through tech support, through all the desks and people on the phone, and I'd make them see that I was there and monitoring. And to me, I thought I was in control. And, you know, later I found out that some of my guys had these foot switches where <laughs> <laughs> you'd, you'd click the screen and it, their game would disappear and they'd show a spreadsheet or something. And I, I loved it. I was so creative. But, but see, today what we have instead are far better ways of monitoring productivity. Just one example would be a system where, like I said earlier, you log in to get access to the work you need to do. Mm -hmm. And the system is keeping track of everything you yes. need to do and monitoring how and when and how much you work. Abs That's yes, ab absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Far more effective. And you have, one of the neat things about your website is that you have a resources section and you uh, provide links to a lot of the different tools and software and so forth that makes it easier for um, both the CEO, the business owner, and the teams to work productively and, and to uh, engage with each other to simplify everything. So th that's a really great resource. And that is on your website at invisibleorganization.com, correct? Correct. Okay. And if you, uh, when you buy the book. <laughs> yes, you, when you buy the book. You, when you buy the book, all you have to do is type in your invoice number that Amazon sends you and you'll get free unlimited lifetime access to the resource center. 
Okay, so so great tool. We're talking here today with Mitch Rousseau, who is the author of the number one Amazon bestseller, The Invisible Organization. And we're talking here about what are the advantages and why why are does productivity go up whenever you allow employees to work from home? Why does do your profit soar without that infrastructure? Uh, which leads me to the next question: Does this work for every company? I'm thinking of examples like manufacturing manufacturing companies and uh, places where it just seems like you would have to have employees on site. What, what can they do? Well, well, let's be realistic. You can't run a virtual dentist's office. It's just, it's just not sure. practical. <laughs> yeah. So, so, I mean, you're going to have cooks in kitchens, you're going to have dentists, you're going to have teachers. Well, l- let's not talk about teachers because you can actually do that virtually. But, but the things where there are physical objects that need to be moved, mm-hmm. clear, clearly that can't be. But the rest of the organization can be. Right. You see, so let me, uh, I mean, here, so many examples, they, they pop to mind. Uh, it's, it's hard to imagine a company that can't benefit from at least sending some of the folks that mm-hmm. are occupying space every day, sending them home to work for you. Right. Let's apply this to a sales force. How would you take some of the principles uh, that you've been talking about and apply them to a company sales force? Sure. So <clears throat> by reading The Invisible Organization, you'll, you'll learn to move through challenges that normally hold you back and, and how to make the absolute most out of your marketing. But I think the best way to explain it is by talking about an example. So there's a guy named Robert. He's a carpet cleaner out of Long Island, New York, and he was 36 old, 36 years old when he started his his business. And the problem was that over the years, he watched his competitors took a lot of his market share, and he was just slowly losing the business he had built over the last seven years. Then in the chapter about virtual sales inside my book, The Invisible Organization, he discovered how to hire salespeople practically for free. Using just that one chapter, he put a small sales force together working from their own homes and was able to regain market share in just six months. Why? Because he didn't have the expense of supporting his sales force. He didn't have to rent space for them. He learned, number one, how to recognize the flow of prospects and clients, and number two, how to better manage his fleet of trucks through, now listen to this, with simple automated systems. Mm. He was able to see solutions he didn't see before, all by understanding how the invisible organization works, even for a carpet cleaner in Long Island, you see? So what seemed hard or elusive before was now completely clear. He made the invisible visible and and you know what's the one thing you want visible in your business it would be more money of course. right so right. you know so this is the thing about selling I mean and by the way this is another great thing about managing really what do we care most about when we are managing people we care about productivity the the rest is fluff so you know we we get to know people and that's wonderful and we want them to feel connected to the company. And that also is covered in in my book as well about how as a CEO to stay connected to your staff in a virtual organization. But ultimately, we only care about productivity. And it may sound cold, but it's the truth because ultimately we won't keep keep people who are not productive. You know that. Mm -hmm. True. So that's why if you can 
minimize how you judge people and look at people only from number one, are they an asset to the company by, uh, and number two, can they be productive enough of productivity to make the company a profit? Then you guess what? The best people end up staying because they are being judged on what counts the most. Talk to us about not only the CEO's relationship with the employees, but the employee's relationship with each other. Sometimes uh, that teamwork and that rapport that they have with each other and being able to share knowledge very quickly is what leads to productivity too. So how do you address that in a virtual situation? Sure. Well, in a virtual situation, it can actually be done faster and more efficiently than in a live situation. Now, we have tools today like Google Hangouts and Slack that make um, communication uh, so easy and so seamless. Like I'm sitting now on my desk with four Slack channels open at the same time. Now, these are, these are clients of mine. Tony Robbins, by the way, is one of my clients, and his team is now open on my screen, so I can converse with anybody and I could do it privately in a separate channel or I could do it in the group to alert people of what's going on uh, with any of the projects that we're working on together. So in a, in a sense, we're more together than we ever could be in a live situation. Then mm-hmm. on top of that, depending on the geography of the company, uh, we would get together when I ran BBI with Tony and Chet. Uh, we would get together just about quarterly and we would hang out and enjoy an evening together and study together and 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 learn together it was it was a really wonderful situation and we got closer to each other than I think we would have if we were all working in the same building yeah where where uh, you just kind of take each other for granted and and you're just rushing to get home and you're the last thing you want to do is spend another meaningful hour with a coworker to getting to know them better right yeah exactly right. And, and think about this for a second <clears throat> do you remember how maybe just and I'm gonna say 10 years ago but probably even less than 10 years ago if you got an email at nine o'clock at night, it was actually kind of unusual from your from a, from a team member. Like you'd say, "Wow, they're working late today." Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Today, I mean, I answer emails at at eleven p.m. Uh, and nobody thinks second. No one gives that a second thought because I mean, that's now the way we work. Our work is integrated more into our lives in a virtual organization. So once a company goes invisible. The productivity goes through the roof because we have the freedom to communicate and and operate when it best suits the company and us. Absolutely. We are running out of time here. So if you had to leave our listeners with any final thought, what would it be? So I think the most important thing is to challenge the way you think when as as a business owner, I mean, you know, the master of asking the right questions is Tony Robbins. So when Tony and I worked together, Tony was the master at reframing a situation to find the right question to ask. Then when focused on solutions, he helped us cut directly to the right solution instead of wasting time on useless discussions. So it's really a matter of focusing in on how you think and then creating a plan to execute. Okay. And again, your website? The website is the uh, invisibleorganization.com. And you can buy your book through that. You can buy the book through Amazon. Uh, you have a newsletter, too, that you can sign up for, correct? 
That's correct. You got to go to MitchRusso.com to sign up for the for the newsletter. Okay, MitchRusso.com, and that's R-U-S-S-O.com to get the newsletter with uh, lots of great information. You've been a wealth of knowledge, and really appreciate your time today. Again, go out to the website or to Amazon.com and buy Mitch's book, The Invisible Organization. Thank you very much today for your time. My pleasure. And if you'd like to learn more about how to grow your organization, please visit our website at ithinkbigger.com. Follow us on Facebook, Thinking Bigger Business Media, or on Twitter at I Think Bigger. Have a great weekend. We'll see you next week. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.